How's it going, Victory? Let me hear you this morning. How you doing? Good morning. My name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the absolute privilege to pastor this church. And uh, before we get into what's happening today, I do want to just kind of reiterate a couple of announcements and share a couple of things that uh, weren't in that video. Right off the bat, if you are visiting with us, whether you're in person or you're online, and, or maybe you've just been coming for a couple of weeks and you haven't had the opportunity to get connected, we really want to connect with you. And the reason for that is because it's really easy to come into a church experience the service, especially in, in today's culture and how the service is kind of quick to go, and especially in a place this large, you can come in and then you can kind of exit out without having to really connect with anybody. And I believe that one of the best things God gave us is community with one another. And so I just really want to encourage you to get connected with us. You can do that either with the connection card that was given to you when you came in, or you can do it online. You can do it right on your phones. Uh, as it said in the video, you can text VICTORY18 to the number 31996, and that's gonna send you a digital connection card. You can fill it out digitally or you can fill it out uh, personally, the paper one. And then after service, if you'll take that to our Welcome Center area, you can either show them on your phone where you did it or you can give them the actual paper part. And they have a special gift for you. We have a Victory Church mug that we'd love to put in your hands, a really great mug. So if you're a coffee drinker or you wanna be, uh, you can get one of those mugs and just enjoy it and pray and think about our church when you're having your coffee. So we'd love to get you connected. The best thing about that connection card is there's some questions, or I say some, some boxes you can check at the bottom to where if you're wanting more information about uh, salvation or baptism or joining a dream team, or if you just had a question for us, you can fill those out and we can connect with you throughout the week, so I hope you'll do that. Also, as you saw in the video, it talked about giving. If you are here today and you say, man, I really would love to give to what the church is doing. I don't know how to do that. Again, you can do that one of three ways. You can do it on our website or our app, so tnvictory.com or our app. You can also text to give as well, uh, and that information will be on the screen. Or as you're leaving today, one of our auditorium hosts will be there with an offering bucket, and you can give that way. Every time I talk to you about giving, I like to share with you what our money is doing as a church. Um, I, I love to celebrate that in really two years now. We're a three-year-old church, but one year we were closed due to COVID. We've given over $100,000 to both the community and global outreaches, which is just incredible. Um, go ahead, you can give God praise for that. <clears throat> and, and with that, one of the things, we, we try to highlight something every month. And so this month, we're highlighting, highlighting a ministry a new ministry that we're partnering with called Isaiah 117. And so the ministry, what it does is it helps provide safe and loving environments for foster kids while they're waiting placement. And so next week, they'll actually be here. They'll have some information in the lobby. We're gonna ask them a couple of questions for about a four or five minute interview before the message, just so you guys can learn more about them and see what we're doing. You need to know that your money's already supporting them. Because you give to Victory, you're already supporting their ministry. But we love to let you know, hey, this is what we're being a part of. Uh, a couple months ago, we brought in Scott Horde, who we'll talk about at the end of my message. <clears throat> But we support him, and his ministry is saving babies. And so he came and spoke while Darlene and I were out of town. And it's just we always love to show you, hey, guys, this is what your money's doing. It's, it's impacting lives. Um, also, a couple of quick announcements, and then we'll get into this. One, if you're in here and you have a teenager, our VKids ministry has recently been launching what we call VKids Junior Leaders. And so what we like to do there is we like to open the opportunity for, uh, again, teenagers who want to serve and give back to God through their gifts and talents. There's a way to do that in our VKids ministry. And it's the first Sunday of every month. They serve. They, they do whatever different tasks are involved in our kids' ministry. And so if you've got a teenager and maybe they served in VKids Juniors uh, before the COVID happened or, or before the pandemic happened, or, or maybe they would like to now, I encourage you that go by the check-in area, the VKids check-in area after service, get all the information, get them signed up, and it'll be awesome. Last but not least, at the end of this month, so I think it's August, today's the 15th, so 29th, August 29th, right after service, we will have Growth Track. And so Growth Track is our system that helps you learn more about the church and helps you get connected with the church. So if you're visiting during this series at any point, maybe you came all four Sundays, or maybe you came for a few, we wanna invite you and encourage you to go check out Growth Track, learn about the church, learn about yourself, and then find out how God can use you in impacting this church, right? As you came in, you were impacted by incredible volunteers from the parking lot, to the doorways, to the kids' ministry, to the hallways, to the popcorn, to Jack Sparrow and Elsa were in the building. Did y'all see him this morning? In the building. I was talking to somebody and they said, it's cool for you to bring a disciple of Jesus in here. I said, that's not a disciple. That's Jack Sparrow. I thought that was Paul the Apostle. Um, 
but in our production teams, our worship teams. And so if you've got a gift and talent, I know God wants to use that to impact Smyrna area through Victory Church. Amen. You ready for the service? You ready for the word? All right. In case you are new to this, uh, every, every year we take a month aside and we do a series called At the Movies. And what we do is we take biblical truth from some of uh, the, the big hit movies in our culture and it's fun, it's creative, you got your popcorn, you got your Coke, but we do not hold back on the word. And so last week was Creed Two, and we talked about the pressure that life has puts on us and our ability to put that pressure back on our father, and it was just an incredible, incredible time. And so we got a new movie today. Are y'all ready? Are you ready? You got your popcorn? Got your popcorn? If you got your Cokes, pop your Cokes, get them open, let's get ready. Check out our feature presentation. How many of y'all have seen Frozen 2? How many of you seen Frozen 2? How many of you saw Frozen 1, but you didn't see Frozen 2? All right, okay, good. I'm making sure y'all are into it. I know, I understand that this is a little bit of a leap to go from Creed 2 to Frozen 2. I understand that my guys are like, wait a minute, we went from blood and, and boxing to animated females that like to switch when they walk. I get it, I understand how things happen. But, but if I was to be honest with you, I would tell you this, that Frozen 2 is the only animated Disney movie that I ever asked my kids to go see in the theater. Um, I'm not proud of it, but what happened was they, they dragged me to all the animated movies and they took me to Frozen 1 and I loved it. I was, all, I was like, let's let it all go, right? Let it go. You know, cold never bothered me anyway. And, and then when it, when it was over, I wanted to see it again. So we saw it a couple different times. And so when I heard that Frozen 2 was coming out, I was like, I, I gotta go. And so I made them go see it. And I loved it. Those of you that saw it, did you love it? Those of you that didn't see it, go home today and watch it on Disney+. Plus. It's so good. Uh, the reason I chose it, though, for this series is because what's interesting about Frozen 2 is the synopsis is all about this spirit that they are looking for. So there's this spirit that's very vital to them. And so Elsa and Anna and all the Olaf, the whole crew, they go looking for the spirit because the spirit has been hidden, and it's almost been hidden because of fear and different things. I don't want to ruin the movie for you, but it was funny because as I'm watching this, I'm like, wow, it's so similar to something that you and I experience as Christians, because likewise, in, in our Christian walk, there is an attribute of God that is vital as Christians. Scripture talks about it all the time, and it's vital to you and I in being a Christ follower, but unfortunately, it tends to be because of fear and different things, it tends to be kind of hidden away. People don't want to talk about it. We don't understand it. And because we don't understand it, because we fear it, we'd rather just avoid it. And it's vital. There's the spirit. It's a vital thing to you and I as Christian people who are following Jesus. But because of fear and because we don't fully understand it, we just kind of push it away and everybody pretends like it's not there. The Bible refers to this or refers to him as the Holy Spirit. Now, depending on how you were raised, um, I got saved at about 18, 19 years old, and I immediately got into an Assembly of God church. Didn't know it was an Assembly of God church, but that's where I ended up. And so for me, the common language I heard was Holy Ghost. How many of y'all heard Holy Ghost when you were growing up, right? So you got Holy Spirit, then you got Holy Ghost. And I think for me, honestly, Part of the reason why I feared it, part of the reason why I didn't really want to talk about it is because in my life, ghosts were not something I wanted to be around, right? Uh, as a young kid, I watched way too many movies that I shouldn't have watched. Um, my parents didn't really care about that at the time, and so I saw all kinds of ghost movies and different things that, I mean, I had Ghostbusters. Y'all watch Ghostbusters? Yeah? I mean, that was good, and of course, you had Casper and some of those things, but, but then there were some ghost movies that were bad, and so it kind of made me fearful of the idea of ghost. And I was thinking about this, and it reminded me of a story, because where that tends to translate is now, or when I was a kid, if I heard a noise, I freaked out, right? We all like that, like at night, you're sleeping, and if you heard a noise. And so we were in Memphis, so noises were pretty often. <laughs> and um, I, I decided that what I was going to do is I was going to get the only weapon that a teenager was allowed to keep at that time. I got a baseball bat, all right? So I had this baseball bat beside my, my bed, and the way our house was laid out, you had my room at the end of the hallway, and then you went all the way down the hallway, um, and then as the hallway ended, it kind of, you could either go right into like the living room and the kitchen, 
or you could go straight under this doorway into like a family room, all right? So, so you can imagine, it was a long hallway, so any night that I woke up and heard a noise, I grabbed my bat, and then I had to walk that hallway, which was quite an adventure. What made it worse is in this family room, there was a massive window, and the window faced our front yard and the street. And for some reason, my parents thought it would be cool to not put blinds or curtains on that window, okay? Still when I had that conversation with them today. And so it was, it was natural that when you would walk by it at night, it would catch your eyes because the, the porch light would be shining. And I was always afraid that one day I was going to look there and someone was just going to be like standing in the window. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if y'all, that's just the way my mind was. I was always, so it never mattered what, when it was, if I walked past the opening, I always looked to that window just to see like, is Jason Voorhees standing there? You know what I mean? Is, is it going down? Um, and so one night I heard a noise. Again, I'll never forget this. I got up. Parents were sound asleep. My sister was sound asleep. I got my bat and I'm making my way down this hallway. And I'll be honest with you. I had a little bit of fear just going down the hallway, but as I got closer to the doorway, my fear got stronger, right? Because I have that fear in my mind of when I get to this doorway, am I going to see somebody standing in this window? As I'm walking, I think it's important to tell you that the one thing that my parents did not tell me is that my aunt, my dad's sister, was moving in with us for a couple of months. The other thing they didn't think to tell me is that she would be staying in the family room. The other thing they didn't think to tell me was that night after I went to sleep for school, she arrived, okay? So she's in that room. I have no idea of this. And it's dark, you know, no lights are on, and I'm coming up to the doorway. And just about the time I came to the doorway, she came through the dark, right? And I mean, I lost it. I was like, ah! You know what I mean? I almost hit her. almost pulled a Alex Rodriguez on her face. Like, it was so scary. But, but here was the point that I realized about myself, is that if a ghost or Jason or Freddy Krueger ever does attack me, I'm not man enough to fight them. You know what I mean? Like I was too busy screaming to even do anything about it. But it was, that, that, was, just my, that was my whole childhood growing up with, with ghosts and, and horror movies. And all that. So, so anytime we talked about the Holy Ghost, I felt like that wasn't something that I even wanted to be a part of. And for a lot of us, what we know about the Holy Spirit doesn't come from what we've been taught. It comes from what we've caught, right? It comes from some of the crazy stories we've heard. It comes from some of the crazies that we've met. And I don't know about you, but it always seems like there's crazies following the subject of the Holy Spirit. And crazy is contagious. Did you know that? Crazy is almost as contagious as COVID. I wish they had a mask for crazy. Like you just put on them. You're crazy. I'm putting a mask. I'm staying away from you. But you hear about these crazies, and you see these crazies, and you get the stories, and it gets you to this point where you don't fully understand, and so our natural reaction is to stay away and to avoid the Holy Spirit together. And so a lot of us, we are following Christ, we're doing this thing called Christianity, but we're doing it without any interest in the Holy Spirit because we can't quite explain it. We kind of are afraid of it, and we'd rather just avoid it. And the truth is this, that God has provided us with a continual power source, a best friend, a, tra a trail guide, a direct link to him, and a doorway to adventure. But for you and I to fully experience this in our life, we are going to have to rethink some of our assumptions when it comes to the Holy Spirit. First thing I want to talk to you about this morning is that the Holy Spirit is what he directs us. Right? Come on. How many of y'all want to stand up and go, into the unknown? I'll be in my house running around. My girls are like, sit down and shut up. And I'm like, no, I'm into the unknown. Maybe y'all, I liked it. Okay, anyway. That was just a powerful point to me. And so I'm watching this, and here she is talking about uh, going into the unknown, and I'm just reminded that Scripture's so clear that one of the responsibilities of the Holy Spirit in our life is to give us direction, is to direct us, to lead us. And we've all had moments, we've all been in places where we needed to know which way to go, Right? 
We've all been in a moment, whether it be in a relationship or whether it be in our finances or whether it be with a dream or a job or whether it be you know, with our family or, or maybe it's ministry. It's some type of moment where we've been either at a, what I like to call a fork in the road where you're trying to decide whether to go left or right or worse than that, you don't know whether you're supposed to go up, down, backwards, sideways, forward. You have no idea. And we're trying to figure out what are we supposed to do next? I think our culture is probably at a place right now where that's one of the strongest questions we're asking is what are we supposed to do? We're looking for direction. And God sent the Holy Spirit. Jesus said it's better for you that he goes and the Holy Spirit comes because the Holy Spirit can be with all of us. It's Jesus in you. And he says the Holy Spirit will guide you. He'll give us direction. And yet for some reason, I like how she said, uh, I'm blocking out your call. Because I think for some reason, we tend to block out the Holy Spirit. And then watch this. We go to people that we're comfortable with for direction. Right? Instead of listening to the Holy Spirit, we go to our friends. We go to our coworkers, our family. And what's really funny, I don't know about you, but I can testify about me, is I tend to go to the people who are worst at what I'm asking them about. You know what I mean? Like we want relationship advice and we go to the friend that's never had a serious relationship. And we want them to tell us how marriage works and they've never been married. You know what I mean? Or we have financial problems and we go to the friend who's always borrowing money from us. And we're asking people that don't even know, they don't have any clue how to do it. We want to have spiritual conversations with people who haven't talked to God in six years. And we're looking for the people that we are more comfortable with and we're blocking out the call of the Holy Spirit. And instead, we're going to people going, hey, what am I supposed to do here? Should we break up? Should I get a divorce? Should we make it work? Should I pay that bill? Should we go on that vacation? Should I get those new shoes? You know, we're having these conversations with people. And listen to me. The first thing that we have to understand is that when we start blocking out the call of the Holy Spirit, we block out God's direction. And listen to this. We look for guidance from people who are just as lost as we are. We're asking for guidance from people who are just as lost as we are. We're the blind leading the blind. In Galatians chapter five, Paul is writing a letter to the church of Galatia and he's trying, he's discipling all these churches and what he's doing is he's doing his best to explain to them how to live for Jesus. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit a lot. And he says in verse 13, you, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free. Listen to me. As a believer of Jesus Christ, you were called to be free. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about this at the end of the message, because I think sometimes we get tunnel vision on this idea of what it means to be free. But you as a son of God and as a daughter of God are meant to be, you're called to be free. But he goes on to say, but don't use your freedom to indulge your flesh. In other words, don't use the fact that you're free in God to do whatever you want to do, right? That's what he's basically saying. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. In other words, think about other people first. For the entire law is fulfilled by keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Now watch, watch how prophetic he is. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Is that not our culture right now? If you bite and devour each other, you are going to be destroyed by each other. And then he says this, so as a result of that truth, listen to me, walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Paul is saying, be open and be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit starts to move, follow him. When you need to go somewhere and you don't know what to do, seek the leading of the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit pattern your life. But if we were honest, we're hesitant to let God lead because we aren't sure where we'll end up, right? I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to let God be the one behind the driver's seat because I'm not sure where he'll take me. I'm not sure if he will take me into a situation where I don't want to be. I've talked to people before and they're afraid to follow God because they think they're going to end up in some third world country being a missionary, 
Not everybody has to go to the mission field. You know what I mean? Some people are like, I don't want to follow God because then I'll have to end up on the corner shouting from a, from a microphone, turn or burn. That's not always the case. But people are so afraid of where they might end up, where God might make them go, or listen, what God may not let them do that they want to do. I, I don't want to follow the leading of God because what if he tells me to end this relationship? I don't want to follow the leading of God because what if he tells me that I can't do that anymore? What if he tells me I need to go here or I can't go there? And I figured it out when I started to write this down. I said, oh my goodness, that's why we go to people who are lost just as we are for guidance instead of the Holy Spirit. Because we find the people who will say what we want them to say, right? We find the person who will tell us, oh, do that. You deserve that, girl. Go get the, yeah, you deserve, go. We find that person and we go, hey, what do you think I should do? And you already know what they're going to say. Go have fun. You deserve, it's your right. And so we seek those people because we know that if we go to the Spirit of God, he's going to say, my son, my daughter, that's not the best for you. And we already know it's not the best for us, right? We're already miserable in the situation as it is, but we're afraid to let it go. No pun intended there. And so we try to move on. I've, I've shared this before that, that Darla is a huge fan. My wife is a huge fan of Universal Studios. She loves to go to Universal Studios. She loved, so once a year, we try to get out there for a couple days. We do not take the kids, and we just act like kids for two days. And there's, it's where we love roller coasters. We love the whole deal. Well, there's this one ride. It's, it's newer. It's at Universal, I'm pretty sure, um, that we, we fell in love with. It's our favorite ride. If you go there, you got to ride it. It's called Hagrid's Motorbike Adventure. Has anybody heard about that? It's a Harry Potter-themed ride off of Hagrid, a character from Harry Potter. And we got there, and she, she wanted to ride it because she loves Harry Potter. And so we get in line. I've never seen them up until now. I'll tell that story later. Um, and so we're in line, and, and, and we're getting closer. You know, you got to go through the whole queue and see all the decorations and stuff. And we get to the bar area, and they open it up, and we walk, and we get on. And it is a motorcycle. It's like a stationary motorcycle with, like, really big handlebars and the whole, I mean, it's, it's the whole deal. And I've always wanted to ride a motorcycle, but I won't because I'll die. Like, I can't even ride a regular bicycle correctly. And so I knew that if I ever get on a motorcycle, I'm dead. And so we get on the motorcycle, you know, and she's on one. I think we're kind of like beside each other. She's on one, I'm on one. And, and there's no, like, you don't sit down on anything. You don't pull anything over your head. You just buckle up. And I'm like, this is awesome. And so I buckled up and I got my hands, like, it's really high steering. So I'm, you know, I'm sitting like this. And I'm like, baby, this is awesome. And then the ride starts. And you start and you go, you know, you kind of go around and spin around. And then there's two different times in the ride where you get to about, man, I don't know, 50 to 100 feet of just straight, just straight, uh, what do you call that? Straight course or, or whatever it is. Um, thank you. And so, so we get to it and you're going to it. And when you get to it, it's like they hit hydraulics or something. And it's like, shoom, and you go super fast for about 75 feet. And I mean, like winds in your hair, you know, your hair is back like this, your cheeks are back. You're like, oh my goodness. It was amazing, amazing. There's this one part where it starts going backwards. You're doing the whole ride backwards. And I was the last bicycle or last motorcycle on the thing. And so when it came to a stop, I just happened to look backwards and the wall was right here. And so I was like, hmm, where are we gonna go from here? And I mean, as soon as I thought that, we dropped 10 feet. It was just like, Boom! And then it kept on going. But it was so amazing to me because I got to experience all of the excitement and adventure of riding a motorcycle without any of the danger. I wasn't worried about wrecking. I wasn't worried about tipping over. I wasn't worried about running into somebody else. I wasn't worried about whether or not diesel rigs see me. I wasn't worried about if I was going to get on gravel and fall. I was sitting. I was buckled in. But I was for the adventure of the ride. I loved it because I got the adventure with none of the risk. I got the adventure with none of the danger. This is what the Holy Spirit wants us to understand, that real freedom isn't being able to do whatever we want. Real freedom is being able to live out our heart's desires of adventure, listen, while knowing we're safely under God's direction. That's so good. 
Like, I, you, you need to take that and put it in your own words and stand on it. That real freedom is you living out the adventure of following God, living out the adventure of the desires that God has put in your heart, because the Bible says that God has put a desire in your heart that is also the desire of his heart, and that the thing that urges you and excites you and gets you, that that's God in you. And real freedom is being able to do that thing, being able to do what makes you excited and adventure, and you're not worried about the risk because you're under the protection of God's direction. You're under the umbrella of God. Let me, let me give you a better example that, that might help you understand what I'm saying. Uh, Darla's currently doing this one mile a day club. I don't know if some of y'all have heard a lot of you ladies and, and y'all are in it. And so it's really amazing. It sparked some idea in me that I'm going to share with you guys in September once the series is over, some vision idea. But, but all these ladies, they, 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 they're on this group, and they go, and everybody walks a mile a day together. It's, it's really awesome. And so I was working one day, and she, she pops her head in, and she says, hey, babe, I'm going to go walk my mile, and I'm taking the girls. Do you want to go? You want to make it a family thing? And I was like, sure, why not? I can walk a mile. And so we, we leave the house, and we start walking, and Veda has her skates on, roller skates on, and Casey Ray has her scooter. And so they're ahead of us, right? The way our, our, our neighborhood works, there are a lot of little roads and turns, but there's, again, a long area of sidewalk. So you might have 100 feet of sidewalk, and then you have to decide and make a turn, and then another 100 feet of sidewalk, and so on and so on. So we're walking, we're doing a smile together, and while we're walking, Darla and I are together, and the kids are way ahead of us, because they're on scooters and skates, and so they're, you know, they're scooting all the way down the the walkway, and they're coming back to us and spinning around us and all that, you know, like sharks circling their dinner. And then they go back to them, and they're doing all this kind of stuff. And they're just having a blast because we're on this sidewalk. But yet, when the sidewalk comes to an end, two things happen. Our kids stop and wait for us. And they're waiting for us for two reasons. The first reason is they want to know which direction we're going to go. They want to know if we're going to go left are we going to go straight, cross the street, go to the next neighborhood? Are we going to go right? Are we going to turn around and head back home? Second is they're waiting on us for protection because they understand that now we've gotten to a road where there are cars and that mom and dad need to help you cross this road so that you get across the road safely. So watch what just happened. They're being led by their parents, but there is this time frame where they are getting to enjoy the freedom of this sidewalk. They're going back and forth. They're riding back around. They're enjoying the freedom, but they are under the protection of their parents. And they know that when they get to a place where they're not sure which way to go, they wait for their mom or dad to give them direction. When they get to a place where there's danger, they wait for their mom and dad to help them with protection. They feel like they're leading us, but really we're leading them. But we've given them some space to enjoy the freedom, but in the end, we are still the ones that are leading. The way that the Holy Spirit works is, hey, I'll give you some space to enjoy some freedom, but you need to understand that I am always leading. You need to understand that when you get to a place of direction and you need to go, you want to know if you want to go left or right, you look and ask the Holy Spirit. When you get to a place of danger, you wait for the Holy Spirit. That's what it is to have freedom, to be free in this world, to live out your adventure, but I'm doing it under the leading and protection of God through the Holy Spirit. I know that's kind of, it could be hard to wrap your mind around, but it's so powerful. How do, I, how do I allow the Holy Spirit to lead? You allow the Holy Spirit to lead. You quit making up your decisions and then asking God to follow yours. You submit to God and say, what do you want me to do? Lead me, Father. Well, I don't, if I do that, then there's no freedom in that. Listen, you're being ruled by something. And there's no freedom in that. But what I love about a relationship with God is he says, hey, I'm leading, but I love you enough to allow you to enjoy some of You know, you want to do something, you got vision in your heart, you got a talent, I'll give you some freedom to enjoy that. But you can always rest in the fact that I'm leading you and I'm protecting you and you are under the umbrella of God. When we moved our family here to plant this church, there was so much adventure and so much fear simultaneously. And I, I would tell my parents, because my parents were like, ah, it sounds a little weird. I don't know what you're going to And I was like, I don't know how to explain it, but I know God's led me to do it. And when I know God's led me to do it, I can enjoy the adventure 
Watch this. And I won't get overwhelmed by the scary moments because I know that what I stepped out to do was God's promise. So I'm doing it. I'm adventurous, but I'm under the protection of God. That's what it's like to be led by the Holy Spirit. God gives us the Holy Spirit to provide direction with his guaranteed protection. So first, he directs us. Second, he corrects us. So here's the important part you have to understand is that when the Holy Spirit directs us, he also has to be given permission to correct us. Because a lot of times, the direction is being led by correction. And a lot of us want just enough God in our life to be able to get into heaven, but not enough that he would come in and radically change our lives, right? But when the Holy Spirit leads, the Holy Spirit has to lead us not through just direction, but through correction. Matter of fact, most of the time, it is the correction that is leading the direction. When Paul continues to write in Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, he says, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. He says, They are in conflict with each other, so they are not to do, so you are not to do whatever you want. What Paul is telling the church is that there's two things going on inside of you. There is this flesh man that wants to do what your flesh wants to do, what feels good now. And then there is the spirit that's in you, the spirit of God. When you got saved, when you gave your heart to Christ, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of God's in you. And the spirit wants to do what God wants to do. So you've got something in you that wants to do what you want to do, sin, and then there's something in you that wants to do what God wants to do, not sin. And he says they're fighting. They're at contrary to each other. They're like dogs that are fighting. And it's important for us to be able to listen to the Holy Spirit so that we walk in the spirit things, not the flesh things. I think we're all mature in here enough to say that there's been moments in our life where we ignored the spirit and we followed the flesh and we regret it. It was good in that moment. It might have even been good for a season, but once it was over, we paid for it, and we knew getting into it that it was wrong, but we liked it at that moment, so we ignored the spirit, and we pursued the flesh. This is why when we begin to get off the path that God has for us, when we start to kind of veer away from God, there's this siren in us that goes off. It's not incredibly loud, but it goes off, and it warns us, and most of us just ignore the siren and keep on moving. Our culture actually likes to call it our conscience. They'll say, hey, yeah, well, you know, I wanted to do it, but I, I, my conscience didn't feel right. So my conscience. The truth is, it's not your conscience. It's the correction of the Holy Spirit. But here's what I've learned about me, and I think you'll probably agree for you. It's a lot easier for me to ignore it when I call it my gut versus letting it know it's God. Right? If I call it my gut, I can ignore it. Oh, I didn't feel right about it, but I did it anyway. It's a lot easier to ignore when it's my gut versus ignoring the fact that it's God. If I know that it's God, the creator of everything, that my creator, my savior, telling me not to do it, I'm way more sensitive to not do it. But listen, when you and I think correction means failure, because that's what we're being taught, that correction is bad, that we can't be corrected, that we can't be told that, hey, maybe you're wrong. And for some reason, we think that if we are corrected, then we are a failure. But that's not the case. Can I set you free? Just real quick. You don't know everything. I know you think you do, but there are certain subjects and certain situations that you have no idea about. So it's okay for you to be wrong. You have to be open to correction. But if you think correction means failure, then you will ignore correction You'll run from correction, or you'll overwhelm yourself with the pressure to be perfect. I got the opportunity to go on a daddy-daughter date with Casey Ray. Uh, Veda was at uh, an event, and so it was just me and Casey Ray, and I took her to Party Fowl to get some Nashville hot chicken, because that's what you do uh, with vegan children when your mom's not around. She didn't eat chicken before y'all start sending me hate mail. Um, but anyway, we had a great time at Party Fowl, and they, they bring her this kid's menu, and the kids' menu has all these little games. And one of the games in the corner is scrambled words, right? Like, so it'd be like the word chicken, and it's all scrambled up. And she's got to, you know, guess what the word is. 
And so she's, she's doing it, and, and she didn't want my help. She wanted to do it on her own. So, so she's saying a word to me like, is it this? Is it that? And she's way off. And I'm like, nope, 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 not helping. I'm just going, nope. Well, she gets mad, and she gets frustrated. And I was like, hey, hey, listen, you don't have to get mad about it. I said, let me help you. And she goes, I want to do it on my own. And I said, all right, well, listen, what if I just gave you the first letter of the word? Like, I don't want to tell you the word, but since it's all scrambled, what if I just told you it started with a C? And she's like, okay. So we started with chicken, and I said, it starts with a C. And sure enough, I think maybe the first guess was chicken. And it was amazing that it was just that little bit of direction that was able to get her going in the right. And listen to me, this is what it's like when you let the Holy Spirit bring correction to your life. His goal is not to come in and tell you you're a failure at everything you've ever done in life. It's to come and give you the next right thing. It's the next right thing step. It's the little thing that, hey, if you'll see this, if you'll think about this, then we can get moving in the right direction. But we have got to get to a place where we're not so easily offended. We got to get to a place where we can take correction. I preached a sermon to youth years ago. I called it love correction. We need to, I don't know if you're too old to understand that. Can it love connection? Anybody? Okay. All right. Move on. What a waste. Cut that out of the, of the live stream. And so we have to be able to get to a place where we love it. God, direct me with your Holy Spirit, and I'm open to your correction because I know that you ultimately want what's best for me. I didn't want Casey Ray to have a miserable time. I wanted her to enjoy herself, but she was getting frustrated. So I said, hey, just listen. Let me just give you one little thought. Let me just help you one little bit, and that little bit took her in the right direction. That's the relationship with the Holy Spirit. Hey, let me just show you one thing. Let me, just, let me just help you a little bit. And then the light comes on in your life, and there you go. So the Holy Spirit's our direction. He's our correction, and he's our revelation. You know, it's interesting as you get to the end of the movie. I got chills. <laughs> you find out that the spirit that they've been looking for is her. It's in her. And... I'm not going to be able to do this part justice, so give me grace. But the Holy Spirit gives you direction, gives you correction. But then there's revelation. And I think two of the greatest responsibilities of the Holy Spirit, number one, is to reveal to you the Father, who God is. The second is to reveal to you who you are in God. Acts 1.8 talks about the Holy Spirit being the power. In the Old Testament, the word that's translated to Holy Spirit actually means breath of fresh air or wind. In the New Testament, different word translated to Holy Spirit also means wind. So kind of the concept of Christian life being a boat and the Holy Spirit being the wind in its sails. The Holy Spirit is there to reveal to you and to me who we are in God. I love when she said that. She said, I feel like it's a friend that I've always known. And then parts about who she is becomes, you know, becomes becoming revealed to her. And for us, I think there's a part where we have to realize that yes, the Holy Spirit leads us. And yes, the Holy Spirit does its best to correct us. But the Holy Spirit's most passionate responsibility is to help you and I see all that we were supposed to be and all that we can be in God. That's his purpose. I got to thinking about that roller coaster, Hagrid's bike, motorbike adventure. And you, you've all rode roller coasters before. If you haven't, I'll pray for you. But you get to the roller coaster and you get in and, you know, they put the buckle on. And everybody's all, every, you know, you got all the employees and they're sitting there doing all the whole stuff. And it takes off. And most roller coasters do this. They take off and then they go up. And it's like. I can do this all night. And then it normally levels out. And you know, right? You're like, oh, my goodness, here we go. Could you imagine if you got on the roller coaster and, and then it just stopped? Like five minutes later, you're just sitting there. Fifteen minutes later, you're just sitting there. Hour goes by and you're sitting there. You'd be so angry. 
Get me off. This ride's terrible. Get me off. I paid money. I waited in the line. I thought it was going to be amazing. This is terrible. Get me off of this. I think this is what a lot of us have done with Christianity. We accepted Christ as our Savior, and we got on the ride. And then, and then we stopped. And we're, we're disappointed. Some of us have already gotten off the ride. This isn't what I thought it was going to be. I was hearing these crazy stories and Jesus this and Jesus that. I thought it was going to be adventurous. I thought I was going to have power and God was going to do all these great things. And what has happened is we accepted Christ, but we've ignored the Holy Spirit. We've totally turned our back on the adventure that is following Jesus. We go to heaven because Christ died for our sins. You go to heaven simply because you believe in Jesus and accept what he did. There's nothing you have to do. Salvation is free, the Bible says it. But the adventure of living for God is still up to you and me. It's still up to whether or not we're obedient. It's still up to whether or not we answer when God calls. It's whether or not we follow him or whether we say, I'm going to be a Christian, but I'm going to do what I want. Listen to me. You will never be as adventurous as God. Never. Your plans for yourself will never be as great as God's. Because the plans that he has for you take God faith to happen. And the plans that you have for you, all you need to do is borrow some money from mom. Our limits are different. And God says, if you'd follow me, if you'd abandon, if you'd surrender, if you'd come full wholeheartedly after me, you would experience things that you're wondering, what is this all Christian? Somebody in here right now, you've been thinking, is this all Christianity is? Really? Come to church once a week and... Try to do this little Bible. Is this what this is? No, it's so much more. It's so much more. But we got on the ride. And then we started learning about the obedience and some of the steps of faith we had to take to experience it. And we said, I'll just sit right here. <laughs> I'll ignore that. Do what I want. And now we're wondering what happened to the ride. So many of us are living this adventureless life where we're just trying to follow the rules and get through doing it perfectly. And God's intentions for you was to have a relationship with him that was full of adventure. I was talking to a friend of mine at set up on Friday night. For some of us, the step of adventure is just, just a small step. You start serving. Some of you don't understand the adventure that comes. We had a group of people circled up praying together uh, Friday night at setup. Holy Spirit moving at setup. Because sometimes just serving is the adventure. Sometimes getting in a small group, those kind of things. And I'm learning there's levels of adventure. I was talking to my buddy. Me and him both serve, obviously. We're both in small groups. And so I said, all right, we, 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 we got to that level. We experienced the adventure in that level. Some of you haven't got to that level yet. And I said, and now God has taken us, he's challenging us to do something, and I'm going to share more about this later, but challenge us to do something personally for even more adventure. And I just want, for a moment, I'm, I'm fixing to close, but I just want you to understand that when you choose to live your life for God, if you'll truly surrender your life to God, it's a life of adventure, excitement, moments where you go, I would have never thought that would have happened. But if you're bored being a Christian, I'm telling you right now, it's because you have not followed the Holy Spirit. I'll share this story, and then I'll close. I, one of my personal prayers recently, I was telling Andrew about this before service, one of my personal prayers right now is I want to be, be a part of something crazy for God. I want God to do something so crazy, so insane that people are like, that's got to be God. He was like, moving here and planting a church ain't crazy enough? I was like, good point. But it was more personal for me. And so I, Thursday, I went to lunch with a friend. Y'all got a few more minutes? Can I share this story? I went, to, I went to lunch with a friend on Thursday. His name's Scott Horde. You know him. We, we support him financially. He has an incredible ministry where he saves babies. We sat there for two hours. He was telling me story after story after story. I was witnessing moments of just crazy, crazy stuff that was happening because he's following the Holy Spirit in his life. But he tells me this story, and I just felt like I needed to share it with you. 
In case you don't know what he does, he, he, he stands in front of Planned Parenthood and he looks for the opportunities to pray for people and to do whatever he can to help somebody who might be considering an abortion. But his goal is not to be down there picketing. His goal is to be down there praying. And so he's always looking for opportunities to pray. And so he's standing in a Planned Parenthood parking lot and across the street, there's a woman at a stop sign. She's not coming to Planned Parenthood. That's, she just happens to be driving near. And he looks at her and she catches eye contact with him and he goes, and she went, hmm. could see her through the windshield. And he went, and she went. <laughs> so he ran across the street, he kneeled down. He said, hey, I just wanna pray for you. He said, do you have any needs? She had five kids in the car with her. She said, yeah, I'll be honest with you, we don't have electricity, we're in the dark right now, I need my electricity bill paid. He said, okay, do you have, do you have any other needs? She said, yeah, we don't have food. I got five kids and we, we don't have food. He said, okay, any other needs? And she said, yeah, and then school closed. Obviously, school started back, they need school closed. He said, well, let me pray for you. He starts to pray, and the Holy Spirit spoke to him while he was praying and said, you need to meet all three needs. So he got done praying, he looked at her, he said, I want to meet all three needs. He said, but I need to see the electricity bill. I can't just give you cash. So she said, well, come on. So they, he followed her back to her apartment or wherever it was. She showed him the electricity bill. He called, he paid the electricity bill right there. He said, come on, let's go get some food. They went to the grocery store. They got a bunch of groceries. They came home. They took all five kids on a shopping spree. Got them clothes, got them everything for school. He's leaving. He prays with them. He leaves. He calls his wife. He's boo-hoo crying. He's like, I thought I was going to bless them, and they blessed me. It's just an incredible moment. The next day, he gets a phone call. He answers the phone. The man says, there's a man on the line. He says, are you the pastor who was with blank yesterday? I don't want to say her name. And, and Scott said, yes, I am. He said, well, I'm her uncle. She died this morning of a heart attack in front of her kids. Scott said, what? He said, can I, can I come to where you are? Can I, can I, can I, wherever you are, can I come? He said, yeah, I gave him the address. Scott pulls up to the house. There's about 50 family members standing outside of the uncle's house. Scott pulls up, he parks his truck. As he gets out of the truck, all of the 50 people start to surround his truck. And this man comes walking and puts a finger right in his face and he goes, I know who you are. Scott's obviously a little taken back and he said, you're that pastor that prayed with my niece. He said, yes, I am. He said, all 50 people broke out praising God. He said, they all were in the driveway, in the street, just praising God, going crazy. He's like, I don't know what's happening right now. He's like, I thought I was going to get killed, and then this happens, and I'm freaking out. And the uncle says, looks at him and says, do you know what happened after you left her house? And he said, no. He said, after you left his house, left her house, my niece called me, and she said, uncle, I got to tell you, I just experienced a miracle of God. She told him the story. The uncle went and got some of the family members. They came over to her apartment. They bought pizza for everybody in the apartment. And everybody in the apartment said out of the apartment complex, praising God. Scott starts to cry. He can't believe this happened. And all of a sudden, he realizes they don't know what to do next. So he looks at the uncle and he says, are you, are you doing a funeral or anything? He goes, no, we don't know how to do any of that. He said, well, luckily, I used to be a pastor. I can do that. So he goes and gets the aunt. They drive down to the closest funeral home. He walks in. He sits in front of the funeral director, and he tells the funeral director what's going on. Funeral director says, well, I'm assuming you want the cheapest, so we need to cremate her. He said, the Holy Spirit spoke to him right then and said, no, you're doing a funeral. He said, no, we want a funeral, open casket for the kids, the whole deal. And the funeral director said, okay, but that's going to be about $10,000. Scott said, I did one of those, you know, swallows when he said that. He said, okay, that's fine. He said, the funeral director pushed his chair back and said, I got to ask you a question. How long have you known this woman? Scott said, oh no, he said this family. Scott said, well, I've known this woman for about 20 minutes. I've known the family for about 45. And the funeral director said, hold on. He got up, he went and got every employee at the funeral home, brought them into the room, sat down and said, we got to hear this story. Scott told him the whole story. Everybody started praising God. They paid for the funeral. The funeral, therefore, was paid for. They go back to the house. Everything's set up. A couple days later, Scott gets a phone call from the uncle. He says, I want you to speak at the funeral. Scott says, I can't do that. I barely knew her. He's like, no, no, we want you there. Scott said, well, here's the deal. I got a meeting. It happens right after in this time frame, so I'm going to need to, like, go. And the guy said, that's fine. Come in, speak. You can go out the side door and leave. Scott said, okay, great. Shows up to the funeral, walks up shares the story, gets done, walks out the side door of the funeral home. He said, I didn't even make it to my car. And all 300 people came out of the funeral home and surrounded me in the parking lot of the funeral home, praising God. He said, finally, I had to go. I had to get in my meeting. He said, I couldn't even drive out of the parking lot. I'm sitting at this lunch table going, what? 
that's, that's what I'm talking I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of something that's so crazy, right? So crazy that when I tell people, they go, that, that just sounds stupid. Yes. Yes, because sometimes when God does something, it looks and sounds stupid because it's so, I want to be a part of that. And how did it start? It all started because the Holy Spirit told him, pray for that woman. Now, the Holy Spirit didn't tell him, all oh, this is going to happen if you do. Just started with a. That's not a moment where you think, oh, God's about to do something here. And so I challenge you. I said all that to challenge you with this. Two things. If you're in here and you've never given your heart to Jesus, do not leave here without doing that. The Bible says, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. You can be saved. Jesus died for my sins. And if you're in here and you are saved, do not leave here without an excitement about walking out of these doors and doing something crazy for God. Tell him this morning, just say, Father, lead my life. I want to follow the Holy Spirit. I'm in a job I don't want to be in. I'm in a relationship I don't want to be in. I'm in a place I don't want to be in. Father, lead me, direct me. I need you. I want you to do something crazy in my life. I want to be on a roller coaster with you, but I've gotten into the seat and I've ignored the Holy Spirit and now I'm just sitting here. And Father, let your Holy Spirit come into this place and let me move and follow you. Come on, stand where you are right now. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. I'm speaking to every Christian in this room, every Christian that's watching online. Father, we've gotten into the seat and we're just sitting still. And you want to do something so great in our lives. You want to use us to do something great. You want us to be a part of something so crazy. But it starts with simple obedience. So I pray over every person in this room. I pray for those that are lost, that they would give, your heart, they give their heart to you right now. Come on, if that's you, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, just right now, say, Father, I believe you died for my sins. I believe Jesus died for my sins, and I want to follow you. If you're in this place and you're a believer, come on, in your own way right now, just say, Father, I want to be led by your Holy Spirit. Ask it in your mind. You can ask it out loud. Just say, I want to be led by your Holy Spirit every day, starting today. As I walk out of here, let me witness to the waitress or the waiter at the restaurant. Show me to do something tonight. Lead me Monday when I go into work. Father, speak to me. I want to follow the Holy Spirit in my life. I want to know who I am in you, who you created me to be. The calling you have on my life. Come on, ask that right now. I promise he'll answer. I just want to know who I am in you, Christ. Father, I pray we'd be led. We'd put aside all the things that we want, knowing that in the end, our heart's desire is your desire. But the Father, we'd push that aside and just follow you with fully, full abandonment. We'd surrender our lives to you. Not only would we be saved and experience heaven, but Father, we'd experience heaven on earth. Adventures. Excitement. Living our life as a daughter and a son of God. Father, we thank you for your word. We love you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said...